0: Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Scott Knuckles with The Untold Story. Thank you for joining me. I hope today's message will drive you to a greater faith, a more lasting hope, and a deeper love for others and yourself. I'm reminded of the quote by Thomas Edison. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Let's get started with today's podcast. On April 23rd, 1910, in Paris, France, Theodore Roosevelt gave what would become one of the most widely quoted speeches called The Man in the Arena. That day, he was speaking to men who looked down on those who were trying to make the world a better place. He would say, The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. A cynical habit is to criticize work which the critic himself never tries to perform. In the shining moment of his speech, he said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Little did Roosevelt know that his speech would live on far after him. It has been quoted across the globe from sports events to TED Talks, political talks, and to even podcast. Yes, podcast. The title of today's podcast is Are You Ready to Walk the Tightrope? And I'd like to begin with a story. The Walendas are famous due to their death-defying acts. They got their start when John Ringling saw them perform in Cuba. For many years, the Walendas performed in the greatest show on earth, This family entertains people by walking on a two-inch high wire. They have walked over active volcanoes, Times Square, the Grand Canyon, and are well-known for their four-level, eight-person pyramid. It's a sight to see. It is both exciting and frightening given the difficulty in the routine. Can you believe they do these acts without a safety net? Their story is one of history, bravery, and commitment, and I'd like to talk about one of the members of the Walinda family. Liana is a seventh-generation high-wire walker. Yes, seventh generation. She started high-wire walking at the age of six, and by 13, she was doing it professionally. Liana was raised in a strong Christian family, and it had a profound impact on her life. In February of 2017, she traveled to Florida to attempt to break the Guinness World Record based upon height with a four-level, eight-person pyramid. You believe that? Four levels, eight-person pyramid. During a rehearsal, she was on the second level. Everything seemed to be going right when all of a sudden, she felt a strong jolt. Her balancing pole started to shift rapidly and she began to lose control. In a moment's notice, she was falling. She reached up to grab the wire as she had been trained to do, but it was now above her and out of reach. As she fell, there was no safety net, no lifeline and now only air and space between her and a 28-foot fall. As she was falling, it was as if time stood still. She began to reflect upon her five-year-old son. I'm a single mother. Who's going to raise my son? As she looked up at the wire above her, she realized that there was nothing to break the fall. Liana would fall that day along with four other tightrope walkers. She suffered unimaginable injuries. None of the four would die, but her life hung in the balance. See, she landed on the left side of her body under her full weight and a force of what felt like a thousand bricks. This mom and professional performer needed to live in a fall that lasted only seconds, would leave a devastating wake of broken bones. In fact, the fall was so violent that the wind was knocked from her lungs. Liana broke her left arm and leg so severely it required nearly a dozen screws in both to repair. She broke several ribs, lacerated her liver, punctured her right ear canal, and lost three teeth that day. And to top it all off, this young woman broke nearly every bone in her face. She thought to herself, It'll be okay. I'm okay. Catch your breath. Go ahead and get up. Little did she know, as she lay there, she was not okay. At that moment, she had no idea how badly broken she was. She said to herself, I just have to get up. I just have to get up. But there was no getting up. She was rushed by ambulance to the hospital. The doctors performed a number of surgeries to put her back together. On the third night, she woke up. She couldn't breathe. She couldn't tell her mom or her dear friend who were nearby because her mouth had been wired shut and she had a trach tube to help her breathe. As she felt alone and helpless, the only thing she could do was pray. She pondered her situation and all that had happened to her, and she made a choice that day. I'm going to praise you through it all. Regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to praise you. From time to time, she had feelings of anger that would rise up, and she would say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why? But then something within her would say, God didn't allow this. This is my vocation, my passion, my life. If anything, it was the God of the universe that spared my life. She was told she would be in the trauma unit two months. Miraculously, it turned out to be only 11 days. On the road to recovery, her mom had to bathe and feed her. She needed help as she began to walk again. She knew that God didn't want this to happen to her, but he would turn it around and somehow use it for his glory. After the accident, her face was unrecognizable, swollen with broken bones everywhere. She wondered if she would ever look the same again. A single mom who went through a horrible divorce wondered, would I ever look the same? Is anyone going to want someone like me? It took what felt like an eternity for the swelling to go away. She had to make a choice. Would she worry about what others thought or focus on who she is in Christ? She began to speak life, the word, over her body. She would say, with God's help, I'm going to be stronger than I was before. She said it was so hard to say it, but she did it anyway. At that moment, she believed the words she chose moving forward would be an important part of her healing process. Let me ask you, how does one fight the battle? How does one achieve victory? Many of us have been knocked off the high wire due to no fault of our own. And for many of us, it seems like every step that we take forward, we take a bunch of steps backwards. But one thing I learned from this story, from Liana's story, is how to fight. She wrote a prescription that has stood the test of time for thousands of years. Think about it. The first thing we can learn from Liana is that she didn't blame the Lord, but chose to praise Him regardless of the situation. There's a great song by Bethel Music. Perhaps you've heard it. Perhaps if you're like me, you've sung it. It's called, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah because heaven comes to fight for me. It says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, Louder and louder you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes hope will arise. Death is defeated. Our king is alive. Where did that song come from? Would it surprise you to know that it came straight from the book of Acts, chapter 16? Paul and Silas were two men on a mission to change the world. In fact, nearly two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. He and Silas were engaging with the locals by sharing Christ's love. No one should have had a problem with that, right? In fact, they were on their way to prayer. Yes, to prayer. But what's the backstory here? A woman began to pester them over and over again for several days. She was continually distracting them. It got so bad that Paul rebuked the evil spirit within her, and before they knew it, they were beaten with rods publicly and then thrown into prison for rioting. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They decided to bring a shout of praise. They decided to worship God despite their circumstances. They began to pray so loudly that the other prisoners could hear, and heaven began to move. The Bible says that a violent earthquake occurred. The foundation of the prison began to rattle. Moments later, the prison doors flew open. Don't tell me that praise can't move mountains and circumstances in our lives. Do you think it was a coincidence that this happened during the same time they were praising? Let me tell you what we don't see. I mean, when I look at it, I don't see Paul and Silas complaining to God about their situation. And you can imagine how bloody and beaten they were, how in pain they were. They hadn't done one thing to deserve that punishment. But what do we see them doing? They're worshiping the God of heaven, a God of justice and mercy. And when you see that story, you begin to see the song by Bethel, I raise a hallelujah. The words say, I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah and I will watch the darkness flee. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. See, for these two men, it turns out that their weapon for their deliverance was a melody. was a melody. I love it because the writer of that song says, I can't sing the song for you. There's a song only you can sing. When you sing, enemies flee. When you sing, prison walls come falling down. And when you sing, heaven invades the earth. There are times we need to let our praise rise. That our praise would be bigger than the broken bones and shattered dreams. There are times when we just need to let it go and let that worship rise to the heavens. We might be in the car, cleaning the house, on a walk, whatever it is, and we must take a moment and shout it out to let our praise rise as a beautiful symphony to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know what it says when we do that? It says, God, I don't care about the circumstances. I choose to put you first, and I choose to worship you. Paul and Silas didn't care what the other prisoners thought. They raised their own hallelujah. And you know what? They didn't know if they were going to be delivered. They didn't care. They sang because their God was worthy and they wanted to praise him. In fact, you can read many of Paul's writings, but one of the things that he says is clear. Anytime he suffered for the Lord, he felt it was an honor, that it was a gain. You know what the interesting fact about the story is? They didn't escape that night prison doors came flying open. They stayed in that prison and led the prison guard to a personal relationship with Jesus and saved his physical life in the process. He would have been executed if they would have escaped along with the other prisoners. That guard was there to do harm, but Paul and Silas were there to praise. In fact, it wasn't until the next day that they were delivered. You know that sometimes our beatings and our trials and tribulations are there not because we've done wrong, but because God has a greater plan, that he chooses to use those situations, those conditions to lift others up. The second thing we can learn from Liana is Proverbs 18.21. It says the tongue has the power of life and death. It says that those who love it will eat its fruit. When we speak, the stakes are high. Think about this, how many words we use a day. When we speak, the stakes are high. Our words can either speak life or death. Our tongues, all of us can build others up or they can tear them down in an instant. Someone once said that an unchecked fire doubles in size every minute. And if we aren't careful, so does the disparaging words coming from our tongue. In James chapter 3, it says that the tongue is filled with deadly poison. Filled with deadly poison. You know, we often take this scripture as an admonishment not to bring others down. But what good is it when we use our tongue and thoughts to defeat ourselves. What if we spent time in praise versus placing word curses on our lives where we're literally speaking words that limit our ability and trap us? Imagine that. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The sad truth is that he will often use our own words to defeat us before we even get out of the starting gate. Or we happen to make our way out of the gate, hit a rough patch, and he's convinced us that we'll never make it. So let me ask you, when hardship comes, how do you fight the battle? Liana believed that the words she spoke over her life impacted her recovery. She vowed to focus on the Lord, not on her circumstances. Isaiah 61.3 says, He bestows on them a crown of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and listen to this, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Are we wearing that garment of praise? Are we wearing that garment of praise? What does James encourage us to do? In James chapter 1 verse 2, It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This means that God is actively at work in our lives. He is performing surgery on us. And it hurts. We must assume that it's for our good and that we will come through the other side. Listen to that word again that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The third thing that Liana can teach us from what happened to her is she kept on keeping on. She stayed in the race, she got back into the fight after rehab. Listen to this. After two years of recovery, her brother asked her to walk again. Not just any walk, this time to walk on a high wire in New York City. Not the 20 to 25 feet where she had fallen, but 25 stories above street level, with a walk of 1,300 feet. Liana agreed because she wanted to get back on that wire. She went to Florida to start preparing. She was only 15 feet up in the air, and it was utterly terrifying. She felt paralyzed for the first time in her life. Her joints frozen and her mind racing. This woman who started on a rope when she was a little girl, who had the bravery that many of us only dream of, now felt terrified unlike she had never felt before. She went home that night, prayed about it, and went back the next day to try again. And still, she was utterly terrified. I don't want to do Times Square, she would say. I I have a little boy. She had recurring nightmares of her falling again. Maybe this just isn't me anymore. Maybe, maybe I'm not cut out to do this anymore. How many of you could see yourself back on a high wire after such a tragic fall? I don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could do it. They say when you fall, it's all about getting up. For her, getting back up meant being above a skyscraper on a two-inch tightrope. And don't forget to add a camera crew watching her every move and tens of thousands of spectators below and millions watching around the world. The Bible says when the righteous fall to get back up. I'd say she gives new meaning to that verse. While she prepared, this terrifying feeling went on for a month. Now the wire was up to 40 feet in the air, and as she started walking, something happened. She said, I, I, I'm liking this. I like this pole in my hand. She began to weep as she finished the walk. But it was not tears of fear. It was tears of joy. Through all of the perseverance and the resistance, something broke. Her joy replaced the terrifying feelings she had. She would later say, we forget who we are in Christ. We are royalty, the children of the Most High God. As I watched her walk across Times Square, do you know what I heard along with millions of people around the world? I heard her utter, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you for your healing. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God for all the world to see and hear. But something happened while she was 25 stories high. Toward the middle of that wire, millions of people began to hear something as she broke out and raised a hallelujah. My friends, this woman who almost lost her life began to sing. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Your name is alive that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. She sang that song that silences fear. Can you imagine that the God of the universe wanted to use her to reach millions? God used her fall to impact the lives of people around the globe, and she sang that song. Let me ask you, what is your wire? How terrifying is it? What's that mountain you need to climb? Have you let circumstances rob you of your victory? Have you been defeated or cheated before the battle has begun? Have you laid down your armor and surrendered? Or have you hid from the battle because you think you can't do it? Why don't you replace that song and raise a hallelujah? Hasn't he brought you this far? Didn't he say that he works all things together for our good? Hasn't he commanded us to run the race to achieve the prize? Hasn't he called all of us more than conquerors? We can't predict the outcome of the things that are happening in our lives, but we can recognize, like Liana did, that we can know who we are in Christ. We can choose to raise our own hallelujah a song that exalts God above the situation. We cannot speak doubt and use our tongue to put our own abilities and strengths that the Lord has given us down. And finally, we must finish the race to achieve the prize. So let's end where we began with that quote that I started with by Theodore Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. In Second Timothy, it says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith isn't that what we want to be known for the legacy we want to leave hebrews 12:1 says since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let's do this let's finish the race You know troubles and hard times come, but those who stand, those who lift up a banner of praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, those who do not speak doubt on themselves and what they know they're destined to do, and those who continue to run the race even when it hurts, theirs is the victory. Are you on the high wire? Looking for the finish line. God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Would you take a moment and provide a rating, subscribe, and consider sharing this message of encouragement with others? You can also visit us on scottknuckles.com to get more information. Until next time, blessings.